The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. This morning I want to talk about the desire of heaven. The desire of heaven really is this, is that none should perish, but everyone come into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the desire of heaven, is that none should be lost. And this story, this desire is unfolded in the story of Scripture. And as we enter into Scripture, we see this relationship. I mean, okay, as you get to the beginning, then it's in the beginning and there's nothing. But, and we see creation. But quickly we see that God has created Adam. And when we see the relationship that God has with Adam, we see that this is a good, close relationship. There's no, there's no separation God is speaking with Adam. He, he talks with him. He communes with him. And Adam is at peace and he's happy to obey the things that God wants and he's in good relationship with God. And indeed, when Eve is created as well, then there's Adam and Eve. The pair of them together are enjoying relationship with God. And the desire of heaven is that God wants relationship with everyone. He wants relationship with you. But you know what, as we continue in the story of Genesis, and I know that many of you are familiar with this, we've read about creation, we're reading about Adam and Eve, and we only get to the third chapter of Genesis, and there we're discovering that there's sin that is coming into the world. And we see that Satan steps in and he takes the form of a certain serpent and he speaks to Eve and questions her about the commands that God has given her and Adam. And he's questioning, did God really say... Did God really say you should not eat from the fruit of any tree in the garden? And Satan goes on to sow this doubt and into the mind of Eve. He's suggesting to her that actually, can you really trust God in what he is saying? And he's sowing this doubt and this mistrust in her mind and saying to her somehow that perhaps God was holding back on Eve and Adam. He was keeping something from them. And so Satan was suggesting to her, and he goes on to say, talking about the forbidden fruit in Genesis 3 verse 4, he says, God knows that when you eat of this forbidden fruit, when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And Eve is fully tempted by this because the result is she reaches out for the fruit and takes it and she disobeys God and his command is broken And suddenly sin has entered into the world. And Eve, of course, persuades Adam to do the same. And suddenly change has taken place. Humanity that was connected with God. Humanity that had good relationship with God. Humanity that was not separated from God suddenly knows the separation that sin brings. All because of the disobedience of God's command. Before eating the fruit... There had been relationship, constant relationship. The understanding and guidance that God could give, the help that he could give, that was felt by Adam and Eve. But as soon as sin came, separation came. 
And sin not only separates us from God, but it corrupts us too. It brings a corruption to our thinking, it brings a corruption to our hearts, and it brings a corruption to our ways. We see it because there as you're reading in Genesis, you see these things happening in the lives of Adam and Eve. Suddenly, once they've sinned, Adam is saying, well, of course, it's not my fault. It's she gave me the fruit. Suddenly, there's blame that comes about. They realize they're naked and they want to cover themselves. There's the understanding of shame that has come into their lives. And of course, they're separated from God. They're hiding from God. He's calling out to them, but they're hiding away because suddenly they feel fearful of God. So we see blame, shame, hiddenness. All of these things come into our lives because of sin. And yet also... Even at this early stage in Scripture, we see something of heaven's passion. What is heaven's passion? It's God wants relationship with his creation. He wants nobody to be lost, but everybody to be saved. Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15. God is speaking to the serpent, speaking to Satan. He says, because you have done this, you are cursed. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And of course, that is a reference of a story that is later to come in Scripture where Jesus Christ comes on the scene. But as we're in Genesis with chapter 3, we move on to chapter 4 and suddenly you've then got Cain and Abel. And it's not just that these brothers are having a bit of an argument. Cain kills his brother Abel. You see the results of sin coming into the world. As we're moving on, so chapter 5, we're merely at chapter 6 of the Bible. And suddenly you've got this statement from God. Genesis 6 verse 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. We're just by chapter 6 of the Bible and there's a lot more chapters to come after this and yet this is the statement that God is making when sin comes it affects our relationship with God but of course God doesn't want that because the desire of heaven is that he has close relationship with every one of his people and that he brings salvation to them so that they are not lost but they can be found And so even though God has actually said that wickedness is all over the earth, he acts, and of course we have then the flood that comes in, and actually mankind is wiped out apart from one man and his family, that being Noah, who survives in the ark. And of course we know the stories of the animals, the insects, and the birds that are in the ark with him for that time. Nobody ever talks about what it smelt like in the ark. I wonder what it it did smell like in the ark. Anyway, that's another story and another day. And the thing is, God had preserved humanity because he loves humanity. And he had kept Noah. And from Noah and from Noah's family line, we are introduced to a man called Abraham. And it is through Abraham that God is now going to do something special. So God speaks to this man, Abraham. Abraham, by the way, is living miles away from Jerusalem or Israel. He's living miles away and he is serving other gods. He's not a holy man. He's just a normal person that's going about his life in his culture. And yet God calls him and says, I want you to leave this place. I want you to leave everything about it, your people. And I want you to go to the place 
where I am going to show you. And God makes a promise with this man Abraham. Genesis 12 verses 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Not bad promise to receive. Bit of problem for Abraham in the fact that though he was married, his wife was barren and they were getting older and they didn't seem to be having any children. So there was a bit of a problem with it. But a great promise nevertheless to receive. But it is through this person that God, who is able to do what we are unable to do, starts to act out his purposes because it's through this man that he is going to create a nation that will display his glory in the whole of the earth. And as we read of Abraham, we go on to Abraham does eventually have a son. Despite all the challenges there are, because God is faithful and he is able to do what he has said he is able to do. What has he spoken into your life? Does it seem impossible? God is able to do what he has promised. He is able to fulfill his word and he is able to fulfill his promises because of who he is. Isaac is born to Abraham celebration. Isaac himself has two sons twins, Esau and Jacob. And actually it is through his son Jacob that God is going to establish and build this nation of Israel. Jacob, as many of you know, but if you don't, then you can read it in the book. Okay, so all I'm telling you, it's not just me, you can also read it in the book later. Um, He has 12 sons. And of course, one of those sons is Joseph And there's the whole story about Joseph and the problems with the family and Joseph going to Egypt. But eventually, because of famine, the 12 sons, dad, the whole family who were in Israel, all go to Egypt there with Joseph to be with him. And they're blessed and they're looked after. But they're not in Israel anymore, which was the promised land. They're in Egypt. And as time goes on in Egypt where they're staying there, Israel, this family, become enslaved And then as the family increases and increases, they're kept in enslavement in Egypt. Egypt, of course, at this time is the most powerful nation of the world at this time. And so the Pharaoh has caused the Israelite people, who are growing and growing in number, because the people are having babies and their families are expanding. So all of that's going on, but they're in slavery. And they're the workforce, if you like, in Egypt. But it is in that situation that God is actually saying, well, look, I'm still in control because out of this family, out of Jacob and his sons, out of that, I'm building a nation. And it comes to the point when there's so many of this Israelite nation that are enslaved that God says, good, now the time has come. And he sends his servant Moses to say, I have heard what is going on with my people, but I'm going to lead them out of slavery. And I am going to take them in to the promised land. And of course Moses is appointed to be the deliverer. The one who is going to take them out of slavery. But not just that. To bring them into the land that God has promised. And so we read in in Exodus about how Israel comes out of Egypt. How they're going through the Red Sea. All the wonderful miracles that God does to show that he is with his people. And he brings them to Mount Sinai. 
But when they get to Mount Sinai, it's not just that they've been brought out to go into the land. They have been brought out of Egypt and now, having been delivered, they are now going to be educated in the ways of God. Because they're not just any people, they're God's people. And as God's people, God wants them to act in his ways. God wants them to hear his laws. God wants them to understand that this is the way I want my nation, my people to live. And so when they come to Sinai, they come there and God himself comes down to meet and to speak with his people. Israel, this nation. They're terrified. Because the mountain itself is covered with fire And they can hear the voice of God. And literally, the people are shaking and trembling because of the presence and the greatness of God. In fact, they say to Moses, Moses, if it's okay with you, you act as our go-between. You go and speak to God. We're, We're happy for that. Come back and tell us everything we need to know. And that's what happens. And so Moses does. He goes up the mountain. And up the mountain, he receives the Ten Commandments. So he comes back with these commandments written on tablets of stone. What is this that he's doing? He's receiving from God the word of God for the people of God so that they know how to live. It's not just the ways that they were in in Egypt or the things that they'd been taught in their traditions, their cultures, those things. They're still carrying cultural things. But God says, I want you to live like this. And so he is establishing his ways, his laws, his commands with the people through Moses at that mountain. So Israel here becomes educated in the ways of God. So it's here that he reveals his laws. And as we know, as I've said, these are the Ten Commandments. This is what it says about this period in Psalm 147, verses 19 and 20. It says, he, and this is talking of God, he has revealed his words words to Jacob. And we see the word Jacob because Jacob was the father of the 12 sons. So Jacob had his name changed to Israel, which is how the nation gets named. But sometimes it goes back to talk of Jacob. And hang on, who are we talking about? When we read of Jacob, we're talking about the nation of Israel. He revealed his words to Jacob, his decrees and regulations to Israel. Listen to He, this is God, he has not done this for any other nation. And talking of the other nations, they don't know his regulations. What is God doing? God is saying, I've seen what sin has done. It has estranged my people, humanity, because he's created everyone. It's estranged them from me. And the desire of heaven is that he wants them back. How can he bring his people back? I'm going to give an example. Here's the example. Here is the nation, my nation, Israel. And I'm giving them my ways to live. Not the ways that they've been brought up with. Not the ways of the Egyptians. Not the ways of the other nations. But my ways. So that they can display me. And God had great plans for Israel. Later on, the prophet Isaiah declares these plans. Because he says to Israel, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. 
You see, God always had a plan through Israel. He was going to make them a light to every other nation. And through them, he was going to bring his salvation so that people could be rescued out of their sins, rescued out of the darkness of the world, and so they could be brought back to God. Not only was Israel to be a light, that is, that as a people they're following God's laws and therefore they're showing God's ways to everybody around them, but God was also going to reveal a particular light, his salvation through them. Obviously, we move on eventually from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and I know we're carrying quite a lot of mileage here to read of the Savior Jesus Christ. And right now, as we come into the New Testament, or as in this story, as I'm coming into the New Testament, I just want to take us to Bethlehem, to the countryside of Bethlehem, and one particular evening, which we read about in Luke 2, where it says this, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We know that reading being given out at Christmas times when we're remembering the birth of Jesus. But I'm just showing you through the nation of Israel, there was to, they were to be a light. But from that nation, a light was also to come. And here that light is coming into the world as Jesus is born. Jesus represents the passion of heaven. He's being revealed to all people. Israel was the light for the nations, but salvation now had come through Israel. God had always had a plan right from the beginning when that sin entered into the garden that he wanted to rescue mankind from the dominion of sin. That has not changed. God is still in the same business of wanting to release every single one of us from the dominion that sin has in our lives. To bring us into a place where we understand His ways, His laws, His decrees, and we walk by them so that from our lives, His light shines out to everybody around us. So that they also may see that there is a God. And that they also may hear that he has sent his son as our savior. That we may be brought back into relationship with him. And you know what? Though familiar again, this particular scripture may be. It reminds us of God's love and his purpose. As I read to you, John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's why he came. The desire of heaven is that every person who is saved may walk in the light of God 
and God's light may shine through them that the world around them may see him. In John goes on to say in this particular passage, John 3 verses 18 to 21, he says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict, John says. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Look, here's the truth for us. Salvation, coming to a place where we recognize that we're sinners and we're asking for forgiveness of our sin and we're looking to God, particularly His Son Jesus, to forgive our sin. Salvation is not just about having sin forgiven and going to heaven when you die. It's about us as individuals having received forgiveness Living a life that God wants us to live. So that now our lives are a constant display of what God is able to do in humanity. So that his light shines in us. And so that light can illuminate him again. So that he can shine in others' lives. The passion of heaven, if you like, is, is that the world through us might see God and find relationship with him. That's the object of us as Christians here today. But we see that being pictured in what happened with Israel as this nation in the Old Testament. That's what God was trying to do. He was trying to say, here are my people. Look at the way they act. Look at the way they are. Look at the laws they have received. Because that will light them and show you me. So Israel received the law of God. They didn't always live it out, unfortunately. And that's where things started to cause trouble. Because when it's not lived out, people then say, but you're no different. There's no example. And people out there in the world, even today, are looking for light because they recognize the darkness that is around them. People are looking for the church to be a place that is full of light. A people who are obeying their God. Who are living in the ways of their God. A people who are rejoicing in the salvation that they have found. But not just rejoicing in that. Of saying like now. I want to receive his laws. His commands into my life. So that I may live for him. John writes in his letters. 1 John 1 verses 5 and 7. He writes this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
Now, I'm just racing through, as it were, the Bible, just trying to show you a little bit of what God is seeking to do. The desire of heaven in this book is that God makes himself known to a people who did not know him. God gives his laws to a people who did not know him. But as those laws come into them and as they receive salvation from him and as they live according to his ways, his light comes into them and that light is a light then for everybody else who's also walking in darkness. Because this is a dark world. You don't have to have many conversations. You don't even have to go out and, and, and say you're preaching the gospel to everybody. Just have conversations with people who are not Christians and you will quickly find that in a sense they are looking for something because the world is so dark. And it's our job, the church, we who make up the church, the people of God who are the church, to actually shine out the light of God. And this book, this book helps us. Because without this book, we're never going to know the ways that God wants us to live in. Now, of course, how do you learn the ways of God? Well, you come to church, you come to a service, you listen to a message, and you're hearing somebody like myself proclaim things. And so there's, a, there's an educational factor, as it were, in some of the things I say. But that's not enough. We need to be able to read this for ourselves. So that the God who is alive and wants to speak to each one of us can speak to us through his word. Because this isn't just a book. It's not just like a novel, although it has stories. Although it's all different types of, uh, of writings as well. It has poetry and things like that. And it has prophecies. So it's not just a book. This is a living book. It's living and active. It says that it has the power to divide in our hearts between what is of the flesh and what is of God. It has the ability to pinpoint things in our lives so that actually we as individuals, where we are at with the life that we're living right now, we can be affected by the reading of this book in a way that your neighbor is affected in a different way. Because God knows what's going on in their lives is slightly different from yours, but he knows how through this book to pinpoint you and to bring you into alignment with what he wants. Because he has a plan. His plan is that there is a nation of people called Christians. Who are so following his ways that his light shines upon them and from them. That the darkness of the world and the people who are in darkness can turn towards them. And see light and find hope that they might be saved. But we have to read the book. To find out those things. Not just listen to somebody talk about it. We have to read the book. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.